You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 44. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 44. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, Supermoms. It's great to connect with you. I have electricity, (laughs) which is allowing me to, where a lot of the surrounding areas out here in California do not have power and the ability to record these podcasts. So for whatever reason, where because of our location, we have had power this whole time, which means I got to have friends come stay with me. And it was so fun to have a house full full of kids, dogs, cats, (laughs) and my friends. So that was really the best part for me. The worst part is that the fires are still blazing all around California and the smoke is terrible and it's just, you know, it's pretty awful out there. So I just want to send a little shout out to the firefighters and the PG&E workers, you know, the electrical gas people like that's such a crazy hard job. And the firefighters, like I think about (laughs) how cushy my life is while they're out there like working dawn to dusk, sweating and through the night trying to, you know, control this blaze is kind of embarrassing. So I will send them a little shout out and a great big thank you. Although I do know that you don't really want me out there fighting this blaze because I know my strengths and that would not be (laughs) one of my strengths. (laughs) So Today, we are talking about what if you don't like your kid, don't like their behavior, you don't like how they're acting, what are you supposed to do with that? (laughs) So today's question is coming from an anonymous source, and it says, my daughter is a preteen and already immersed in puberty and the mood swings and irritability that goes along with it. Getting her to do anything is a battle. Homework, chores, coming to the table to eat, putting her device away, going to bed, you name it, it's a battle. It takes every ounce of patience I have to get through the week with her. By the time the weekend rolls around, I am done. This weekend, as my husband is heading out the door, he says to me, don't let her sit on her phone and watch YouTube all day. Find something fun the two of you can do together. Well, That sounds like a great idea. I used to love being around her and would like nothing more than to have something fun we both enjoy. The problem is she doesn't like doing anything I like. And when I try, it becomes a battle. She complains, argues, insults, and criticizes everything I do. I would not want to spend time with anyone who treats me this way. I love my daughter, but she treats me like the enemy. I feel so guilty, but I really don't like being around my preteen right now. So the parent education answer for this is, well, from a parent educator perspective, nothing has gone wrong here. This situation that you're describing is exactly what is supposed to happen. 
In fact, we could say it's a sign of a healthy teenager, right? Preteens are supposed to start separating from their parents, especially their moms. Mother-daughter identities get enmeshed with each other. We feel proud when our child excels. We feel happy when they're happy and sad when they're sad. Does your child ever get embarrassed by your behavior? Oh my God, mom, you're not wearing that. (laughs) Don't you dare sing or dance in the car ever. If you have heard these pleas from your teenage daughter, that means that she is over-identifying with you. She feels embarrassed if you do something that she deems embarrassing. And so this is super normal, right? And it goes the other way around, too. Have you ever been embarrassed by your child's behavior? You know, like, don't talk to your friend like that. She was trying to be nice to you. Oh, my gosh. Your grandma's coming over, so please be on your best behavior. And for God's sake, clean up your mess before she arrives. Right? So, like, we can get embarrassed from our child's behavior, and your child can get embarrassed from us. This is just a sign that your identities are enmeshed. Your Our ego is identifying with their child's behavior. So it's like, I feel embarrassed when you do something, or I feel happy if you're happy. I feel mad when you're mad. Teens and tweens will criticize, insult, argue, and reject our ideas as a way to individuate. It's a sign that your daughter is ready to see herself as different, unique, and competent. Through bickering, girls can affirm that they are separate individuals from their mom with their own tastes, personalities, and preferences. It is developmentally normal for preteens to reject family activities or parental ideas of fun. I don't know, but I totally remember doing this with my mom. I remember saying like, you kids don't want to have fun anymore. (laughs) Yes, I'm in that same boat now, mom. You know, only if a friend can come along with, then it's tolerable. But if a friend can't come, it was torturous, even if it was like a fun outing. When they reject our suggestions of fun things to do, it's as though they're saying, I'm not a baby anymore. You know, I'm ready to grow up. I want to have something different. Sometimes they don't even know what it is. They just know it's not whatever you want. You cannot make your child be nice or enjoy spending time with you. Instead, encourage your child to develop a group identity, okay? So this is a term that we use to describe how tweens, very often, they want to identify with a group. So their ego isn't quite confident enough to stand on their own. And so they take on the kind of the ego identity of a group of people. This is why I used to see, I don't think we see it much anymore, but like the jocks and the, you know, you would be, it was really about the music you listened to, right? Like new wave and you would dress a certain way and kind of embody this group of kids so that you all listen to the same music, you talked alike, you walked alike, you dressed alike. Well, this is totally developmentally normal for teens. Sometimes they do it with a best friend. Sometimes they might do it with a clique. It's actually, I'm saying teens, but it really is more tweens. It's like 12 to 14 is kind of in that air, that time frame is where you see this the most. These days, group identity can take place online. So following certain YouTubers or FaceTiming with friends helps the tween feel safe while learning to stand on her own. 
you know, doing a TikTok <laughs> that has this set formula, like there's a specific dance that goes along with a TikTok, and then you can do it. You're not actually creating your own dance. You're not actually like being your whole individual self. And so it feels safer, but it's kind of like testing the waters, like putting yourself out there, but not necessarily being vulnerable, I guess. And so we want to help our tween feel safe enough to stand on her own. And there's just this bridge time between 12 to 14, where they are learning how to do it. They want to separate from their family, but they're not confident enough to be independent. So when we see our kids rejecting our ideas of fun to sit on their phones all day, we see it as a terrible waste of time. But when kids play online games with other kids, when they FaceTime, when they YouTube, they Netflix, they Visco, and they TikTok, it's really more about understanding the culture of their peers and identifying as someone who's like socially in the know so that they can share common interests with their peers and they can identify with them, you know, a certain YouTuber that they like and they like following and like, oh, I want to be like that. They're helping to carve out their ego, which is developmentally appropriate. You got to have an ego. (laughs) It gets a bad rap, but it's helpful. This stage of a preteen's life is really about exploring interests that are separate from mom and figuring out who they are as a separate individual. So the life coaching answer of what gets in our way from viewing this as normal tween behavior, well, the circumstance that this question described really was neutral. It just didn't feel neutral to this mama because of what she's making it mean. You said at the end, you feel so guilty, which tells me you're making it mean something like... I'm a bad mom. Something's wrong with me. If I were nice, I would like her. I should want to be around her. She shouldn't want to be on her phone all day. There's a whole, probably a whole bunch of them, maybe all of those, <laughs> maybe one, maybe all of them. But there's some thoughts in there that are keeping you stuck in guilt. Okay. Cause when you think these thoughts, she shouldn't want to be on her phone all day and she is, you feel guilty. You feel like a bad mom right? If I were nice, I would like her, but I don't like her. So it's like arguing with reality, which always feels yucky. You know, I should want to be around her. She should want to be around me. It's just arguing with reality and it's keeping you stuck. And how does one parent when they feel terrible? Well, in this case, it sounds like what I'm hearing you say is that you suck it up. Like you try harder. Like, I'm a bad mom, so I better work hard to be nice to her. I better be patient. I should invite her to go do things. I should find something that's fun for us to do together. You get annoyed with yourself and you get annoyed with her. When we feel guilty and annoyed, we tend to parent inconsistently and have trouble sticking to rules around things that we really want to have rules around, like boundaries around phone time, family obligations, things like that. We're kind of like, you know, no more phone for the rest of the weekend. And then we, you know, are so fed up and annoyed (laughs) that we just like give in, like, fine, just do whatever you want. I don't even care. You know, we go back and forth between authoritative parenting And like, no, you can't have any friends over. And like, oh my God, can you please invite some friends over so that I don't feel so crazy? 
So what is the result of parenting from a negative emotion like guilt is you feel like a terrible parent, right? We kind of like to be right. And so if we think like, oh, I'm a bad mom, then we act in a way that reinforces the belief that I'm a bad mom, I'm doing it wrong. And so in order to see your daughter's behavior as normal and a sign of healthy social development, you would have to give up the belief that you are bad and wrong. I'm talking to all you moms right now. This is not going out to just one person. I'm going to repeat it. Sometimes we hold on to beliefs like I'm bad or I'm not a nice person as a way to motivate ourselves to do better. But if you want to do better, you've got to give up the belief that you are bad and wrong. It goes like this. Okay. At my core, I'm bad and mean. I'm a mean person. I need to remind myself of this in order to motivate myself to be nice. Well, this might work for a little while, but the long-term effect of this is exhaustion and irritability. You don't like being around someone who complains, criticizes, argues, and insults you. So what? (laughs) So what? Like, you're making that mean you're a bad person, but it's so not true. Let's imagine for a minute that you did not think that this was a problem. That you're like, yeah, every time I'm around her, she criticizes me, argues, and insults me. I don't like being around her, and that's okay. Like, if you believe that you were a good person and felt neutral about your daughter's behavior, what do you think you might do? Well, you certainly wouldn't let your husband's parting comment bother you. You'd probably leave her alone, which sounds like what she's wanting. You might drop her off at a friend's house and enjoy your own company for a while, guilt-free. If you believed at your core that you were a kind and loving mother, you would look for ways to prove yourself right. You would look for ways to make that come true. This might involve paying attention to your own needs. Like, oh, I'm a kind and loving mother and I want to feel kind and loving. And what's making me feel kind and loving right now is walking away, laying on my bed and reading a book. <laughs> right? If you believed at your core that you were a kind and loving mother, then you might want to spend time with people who uplift you instead of insult you and bring you down. You also might cook your daughter some food, her favorite food, or buy her a gift, or take her somewhere that will uplift her, or do whatever feels kind and loving to you. So when we feel kind and loving, we naturally act that way towards ourselves as well as others. You don't have to act one way to your daughter and then be mean to yourself or be nice to yourself and mean to her, right? It's just like kind of Kindness and lovingness is overflowing out of me, whoever's around. And if you want to stay feeling kind and loving and her behavior is making it difficult, then you're just going to walk away. You're not going to make a big deal out of it. Believing we are kind and loving makes us act kind and loving. No guilt, no drama, just unconditional love where your preteen can say or do anything and it doesn't take you away from feeling kind and loving. Today's super mom kryptonite 
is motivating yourself out of negative emotion. So many of us use negative emotion to motivate ourselves to do something. We think telling ourselves, I'm a bad person, will make us nice. So superbomb kryptonite is this invisible energy drain that you might not know is making you tired. And motivating yourself out of negative emotion is such a classic kryptonite, okay? Because it seems like it motivates positive action, right? We use this in school. We would tell ourselves like, oh, I'm going to flunk a class, so I have to study for this test I've got coming up, and I'm going to fail, and we would use it to motivate us, right? We want to lose weight, so we tell ourselves how fat and lazy we are in order to motivate us to exercise. We think that this will make us go to the gym and eat healthy, and it might once or twice or three times. But over time, it just makes us feel bad about ourselves. Even if we do lose weight, we don't feel any better because we're still thinking mean things about ourselves. So what's the point of losing weight if you're going to feel terrible either way, right? So motivating yourself with negative emotion will give you a negative result. Telling yourself, I'm going to flunk if I don't study, might get you to hunker down, (laughs) take out your book. You might even get a good grade, but it will increase your stress and make you dislike school. So do you understand? So when you motivate from a negative emotion, you get a negative result. You might get a temporary action step that's positive, but the long-term effect and result is negative because it matches the emotion. So believing I'm a bad person if I don't like spending time with my Henri preteen might motivate you to make an effort to do things together, but it's going to leave you feeling guilty and resentful. When we motivate ourselves out of positive emotion, it's easy to keep going. This is how we can sustain the positive change. This is how we can go to the gym every day because we have positive emotions when, when we think about it, right? We don't get burned out or resentful because feeling good is its own reward. Today's Supermom Power Boost is liking your own child. Of course, we all want to like our own children. But sometimes the best way for us to do this is to not be around them so much. When my son was 13, (laughs) I used to think that maybe there was a reason families would send their 13-year-olds off to apprentice for an uncle and live with the uncle for a year or two. Right now, I would love to send my daughter to live and nanny for some other family for a couple of months so she could be more appreciative of what she has and learn some skills, you know? like maybe developmentally there's a reason why that happened around 13 and it wasn't just about them you know needing to make money that it was just like okay now is the time because they are arguing with us and pushing back and separating and they think they know it all well let's just give them a little space (laughs) my husband pointed out to me that I always talked about having another baby When we were away from our children, so like if we were out for the weekend or like we got a little getaway, I'd be like, oh, maybe I'm ready to have another baby. But apparently I never mentioned it at the end of an exhausting day. So liking your own child is so helpful. It makes us feel better, right? So what would it take to like your own child? 
you don't have to like the behavior. We don't separate out. Like, I love my child, but I dislike her behavior. But you want to think about, well, what are the thoughts that I could think about living with an ornery teen that will help me feel like a kind and loving mom? Because right now, thinking that she shouldn't be ornery, she should be nicer to me, I should be nicer to her, like that's just not working, okay? So you want to accept the fact that your teenager is critical and pushing back and argumentative and all that stuff, complaining, right? Doesn't want to do what you want to do. That's just a fact. You're not going to try to change that. What would it take to help you feel like a kind and loving mom while she is behaving this way? Well, I would start with a thought like, I love her, but I don't enjoy this phase. And that's okay. I love her, but I don't like her behavior. And that's okay. Or maybe even something like, I'm not supposed to like this behavior. I mean, the whole point of it is for her to separate out and to like have her own identity separate from you. So you're not supposed to like it. <laughs> so maybe that thought gives you a positive feeling. Like how much time can you spend with your child and still think these lovely thoughts? I'll bet if you're away for the weekend, <laughs> like apparently I used to talk about having another child when I was away for the weekend, your thoughts are probably wonderful. Like, oh, I love her. She's so great. This teen stuff is challenging, but you know, she's got so many things. But maybe after a full week, five consecutive days of trying to, to get her to do these things she's supposed to do, you know, the get her out, out the door in the morning, get her in the car, get her to eat, get her to put away her phone, get her to do her homework. Like if you're battling everything, then maybe it's, you need a little more time away, right? In order for you to think these kind thoughts. So it would be easier if you aren't spending so much time together, right? It's easier when you're telling yourself that she should just be doing exactly what she's doing. That's easier too. And that you should be feeling what you're feeling, that's going to make it a little simpler too. So when you're arguing with what is, with reality, and saying it shouldn't be this way, that's going to drain your energy. But when you can accept it and say like, oh, she's doing exactly what she's supposed to be doing. And I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is getting annoyed and wanting to separate also from her, then maybe there isn't a problem. You don't want to convince yourself something is true if you don't believe it. If you say to yourself, I love this phase of her life. I love everything about her right now. Then that might feel like a lie to you. So it won't work. We don't want to lie to ourselves. Okay, that's not good for the body. We want to think something that feels true and gives us a softening feeling in the body or a little feeling of liberation. So like a thought like, I don't like her behavior and that's okay. I don't like this phase of constantly arguing it. Everything that I do and say is wrong. And it's okay that I don't like it. I'm prioritizing my emotional well-being over her screen time. And that's okay. How about the thought, I am a good but imperfect mother? I tried so hard to be a perfect mom that I found great freedom in the thought, I'm an adequate mom. (laughs) I am 100% adequate. So whatever the thought is that works for you, 
stick with that and then notice how much time you can spend with her and still hold on to that loving thought. And maybe it's time to get a little more space between you and have the friends come over and have her identify with her group instead. Today's quote of the day, it is what it is. This means we parent our children as our children are, not as we might wish them to be. Dr. Shafali. Thank you so much for listening. Send some rain out to California, if you would, please. If you're living somewhere where there's rain, just mentally picture the winds from your place going all the way over. We want some moisture in our air to put out these fires. And let's just collectively all pray rain. All right. Take care. Have a great uh, day. And we'll talk soon. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.